You are listening to the Her Money Matters podcast, episode 35. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast, the podcast to help you take control of your finances. Join your host, motivational money coach, Jen Hemphill, as she shares with you practical, simple money insights and real life stories by women like you. Let's get to it. Hey there, it's Jen. I appreciate you tuning in to today's show. I've got a fun interview for you with really an enjoyable guest. And I have to tell you, these interviews have been so much fun. And maybe I've mentioned this before, so hopefully I don't sound like a broken record. But to me, it just really, truly amazes me what I learn and what I take away from each interview. So let's break down what you're going to learn in today's episode. You are going to learn what unusual question this guest asked her parents growing up and how it shaped her. You're going to learn what decisions she made, even with her knowledge working at a bank and that caused her money and a heartache. And you're going to learn her challenge with fear and how she conquered it in fulfilling her dream to move to New York City. You're also going to learn her thoughts on indulgence and her own personal rule on earning her coffee from her favorite coffee shop. So let me go ahead and share with you about Shannon. Shannon McNay is a writer, a content strategist, and co-founder of Off the Rails. You can definitely check out her musings, her writings um, over there at Off the Rails and also at Humanize CRM. And I'll be sure to have links for that in the show notes. And a little background on how we connected. I had the pleasure of meeting her a few years ago at a conference called FinCon. And I might have mentioned FinCon uh, before because it's a conference that I love. I've gone uh, two times, I think it's already. And when we met, we just really connected right away. She's real. She's giving. And of course, she loves personal finance. So we had so much to talk about. So I know that you're going to enjoy getting to know Shannon. So let's go ahead and go over and meet Shannon. Welcome, Shannon, to the Her Money Matters podcast. I'm really excited to have you here and to get to know a little bit more about your money story, even though I know you a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. You know me. (laughs) (laughs) We know each other. So I'm excited to have you here and learn more on your uh, money story. So you ready to dive in? I'm ready. Awesome. So Shannon, we know about you, the professional, and we know you're a professional writer. You're great at that. But tell me more a little bit about Shannon on the personal side. On the personal side, yes. um, well, I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, and when I was 25, I fulfilled a lifelong dream to move to New York City, Woo-hoo. and spent, yeah, I know, it took me a while, <laughs> um, spent three and a half years here, decided I wanted to have more impact in my daily work and wanted to get into startups, so moved to San Francisco and spent three years there, and then lived in both places for a while, and now I'm officially back full-time in New York. Um, and yeah, I don't know. That's great. And then tell me about the puppy. Cause I see some <laughs> gorgeous pictures of that puppy. How, why did y'all decide? Universe. Tell me why. 
you decided, <laughs> sorry, we now we're talking about the same time. We got so excited about the puppy. <laughs> so tell me about uh, why did you decide to get that, you know, that breed of puppy, all that good stuff. Well, I've been wanting a dog for forever. And when I was single and living in New York, it was not realistic because I was never home. And then I've always loved beagles. That's what I had growing up, but mm-hmm. they need a lot of space and to run. And so when I met my future husband, he was trying to turn me on to French bulldogs. He's like, they're really lazy. They're good <laughs> apartment dogs. They just sleep all day. And I was like, they're so weird and ugly. <laughs> and then over time, they grew on me. And then I just realized it's the more responsible kind of breed for a, an apartment dweller. Um, gotcha. So they're expensive and they have a lot of potential health issues. So that was something we had to think about, but um, really just wanted something that we didn't feel bad if we weren't home much. So right. yeah, we've had a lot of vet visits as was expected so far. But gotcha. she's great and she is perfectly content in our tiny little apartment. So and she great. is a cutie. What's her name? Her name is Lucy. I named her after Lucille Ball because she's red. And well, and her middle name is Toby after Toby from the West Wing. Really? She's got a middle name. She does. I have no middle name and your dog has a middle name. I love Toby. And I just wanted (laughs) reason to call her that, but we couldn't call her that for the first name. So four names. I'm Catholic. So I've got middle name, confirmation name. I've got names coming out the butt. So well, I'm Catholic and I have no middle name. I don't know how you pulled that off. I I, I I don't know. That's just yeah a question I'd like to know. But anyways, so tell me about how you grew up around money. I want to know know it all. Whatever so, you feel comfortable actually. To money tell it. was not a fun issue growing up. So I grew up in what at one point was a really nice, well-to-do neighborhood, and then due to city planning and a bunch of issues, it became more or less inner city. And okay. so. Um, we always struggled with money anyway, but then the property value on our home got cut in half like overnight. I don't know if you remember a long time ago, there were like riots in Cincinnati and mm-hmm. all kinds of craziness. When that happened, our home value decreased a lot and that just really made everything difficult. And on top of it, my parents sent me to Catholic schools because if I were to go to a public school in our zone, I would have had to go through a metal detector every day just to get to class. So They didn't want that. They wanted me to go somewhere, you know, just more predictable and safe. Um, So we always struggled. I was the poor kid in the well-to-do high school. You know, everyone else had knew everything. And I was just, you know, one skirt for the whole four years and all that Mm -hmm. fun stuff. Um, And I was very aware of it. Like when we were a kid, I wouldn't say my parents complained a lot, but I, I just knew the situation. I guess I was a really observant kid anyway. And so I remember asking the question a lot, are you sure we can afford this? So we'd be at the grocery store. Most kids are putting things in the cart. And you I was were taking, taking things out of the cart. <laughs> I was like, no. Right. You're very responsive and definitely very observant. So tell me about some of the conversations that they had or were they just very quiet around money? It was, I don't remember the conversations. I just remember one year we got hit really bad by finances and it was this whole conversation like Christmas isn't going to be a big deal this year. We're really sorry. And I was just like, oh, God, who cares? Um, okay. But I don't I don't remember. I just remember knowing, like, we just didn't have money growing off trees, you know. And it, it helped because of the school I went to. I could clearly see what people had and what I couldn't have. Um, right. So, but it didn't, it never actually bothered me, like, not being able to have those things. The only thing that bothered me was being treated differently. Right. Um, so... 
yeah, I don't, I don't remember a lot of direct conversations other than, you know, when I turned 14 and it was like, you're legally allowed to work, go get a job. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Happy birthday, get a job. (laughs) Right. Happy birthday. Go make some money. Bring some money home. Contribute to the household. That was a big thing. Everyone contributes. We were all very much a unit. Right. Now, how many siblings? None. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So tell me what was the best money advice that you've received? So the interesting thing about that is I have never received good money advice. In fact, I've never actually received money advice except for one time. And that was terrible money advice that I should have ignored, but I've never received good money advice. And what was the terrible money advice? Well, I had inherited a credit card that I thought I could pay off making minimum payments only because I was a genius, obviously. That doesn't work. Uh, (laughs) And so the balance grew and grew. And I really just wanted to know it's going to be paid off by XYZ date. And I was working at U.S. Bank. I had a friend who was working at U.S. Bank. We were both tellers and then became personal bankers. Mm -hmm. And And I said, I want to get an unsecured loan to pay this off. This was when you could still do that fairly easily. Right. Um. Because I just want to know that in two years it's done and I never have to think about it again. And she was like, what are you, crazy? You're going to pay all this interest. Why don't you just get a zero balance, you know, a zero percent interest balance transfer card? And I said to her, I even remember saying, I don't want to have revolving anything. Mm-hmm. I want it to be closed and I want it to be done. And I think it's worth the money spent to do that. And she appealed to my you know, banker side, which is like, would you give that advice? And I was like, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> And so I ended up doing the balance transfer credit card, but I never made a plan. Like, here's how much Mm -hmm. I have to pay every month in order to pay it off before it expires, which the unsecured loan would have done for me. Um, And that was at 22, I believe. And I didn't pay it off till 27. Okay. So that sucked. Yeah. Because then once it's at zero, because once it starts off being 0% and then after six months or whatever the terms of that credit card, it spikes up pretty high. Yeah, it does. And then you have even like if you used a balance or sometimes there's like the prorated fee now, like here's the prorated interest fee for what you have left. And there's so many ways that that can be. It's complicated because even if you had, let's say, you had uh, paid it off or by the time, and but you you used it as a balance transfer, and then you per- used that card for purchases. That oh yeah, that hurts you bad. That complicates. So, I guess it's yeah. it's very complicated. It's not necessary that you shouldn't do it, but just know what you're getting yourself into. And like you said, have a plan yes. of action because if you don't, that's gonna that's gonna bite you. Do the calculation. You know what I mean? Like literally calculate what does that monthly payment need to be if I fulfill this requirement? Right, right. I, it never occurred to me. I was a personal banker. I swear it never occurred to me. <laughs> In hindsight, I'm like, what was I thinking? Well, sometimes that just happens and it happens to the best of us. I've yeah. made plenty of money mistakes um, <laughs> before and um, people are like, what? Yes, I, I have. So what would you say, speaking of uh, you've received the... Uh, bad money advice, what would you say are the challenges that you have with money? Um, the challenges I have with money are, well, I think growing up the way I did has benefits and like has pros and cons. Okay. So the pro is that I very much appreciate the value of a dollar. Um, I very much appreciate everything I have and I don't ever have this feeling that there will be an abundance. So I never just like go crazy. Okay. But on the other hand, I have a lot of fear. 
Okay. And there's always, even if, you know, you know, I was at Ready for Zero for many years. Right. Even when I knew, like, my job was great, this and that, and I still was like, what if I don't get another paycheck? What if something okay. happens? And I constant fear-based mentality, mm-hmm. which is hard when you're trying, like, yes, it, like, I want to keep a budget, and that's very important, but sometimes in life, you have to be able to take risks for your money to grow. Like, I had to take risks twice in moving to San Francisco and New York, but my career has grown, and therefore my money has grown because of it. So it's balancing that fear with like a calculated risk and in investing in yourself too. So I would say that just trying not to let that fear make my decisions and right. keep me up at night is my biggest challenge. I bet. And and you're not alone. There's a lot of people that fear is what keeps them stuck. Yes. Uh, it's that mindset is the fear. It's, I mean, it's a, co- a combination of all those things, but, uh, but at least the great thing about it is you're aware of it. Mm-hmm. So, and that's a, that's a big stepping stone for sure. Definitely. And what would you say is your best money that you've spent? I would say that first bout of money I spent moving to New York, I moved here at 25. I had, I saved up $3,000 in my bank account. I still had the credit card, but I, you know, I knew it was like, it's now or never. I just turned 25, you know, <laughs> um, I was like, got to do this before, you know, life just finds ways to keep me here. And I saved $3,000. I did the math on the rent that I was going to sign up for. Uh-huh. And I was like, this gives me three months to find a job and to make this thing happen. And I got really lucky. I got a job within two weeks. Awesome. So I didn't have to spend almost any of that money that stayed savings for many years. And I kept it as savings while I was paying debt off. That was my emergency fund. Um, but yeah, like just, just taking that three grand and buying a plane ticket and saying, I'm going to go for this. Right. And my salary, I kid you not, doubled overnight. I mean, everyone talks about, oh, it's so expensive to live in New York. And I'm like, yes, but there are more job opportunities. And you get paid more for what you do because of the expenses. So, again, it's that balance. Right. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't make that first move, which logic would have told me and friends told me, don't do it. And your fear that that you You have enough money. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. That's great. I mean, in New York City is, if I didn't have kids, I would probably would be living there. But um, yeah, yeah, check with- back in with me in 10 years and see where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> I'll either be gone or I'll have kids climbing up over me on the walls <laughs> looking for space. Oh, that's funny. And tell us a little bit about, and I, and I already know a little bit of the scoop because you and I have talked various uh, times, but how are your personal uh, finances managed in your home with your so, husband and who t- takes what responsibility? Tell us and maybe a system that you all use. Tell us how you do that. We are still very much working on this, which is a testament. We have been married for two years. <laughs> We've been <together laughs> for four. We have yet to find the right system, but how things are operating at the moment uh-huh. is I'm paying like the larger bills, mainly because I have the checks and I'm better at dates. Okay. <laughs> and my husband has a whole bunch of just like automated payments, which I love and hate. Um, so certain things come out of our accounts, but we do have one large savings account that's in both of our names. And then we have our separate checking accounts. Okay. What we want to go to and when money's a little bit more like predictable and stable in our lives, which at the moment, lots of job stuff is in the air for both of us. Okay. Um, what we want to have is like, here's the main checking account where all of the main bills get paid out of and mm-hmm. then X percent of that. So all of our income will go into it and then X percent will go out to our checking accounts separately so mm-hmm. that we can have play money without having to be accountable for every cookie or coffee we buy. <laughs> 
And then um, also the savings. So the idea will, will be, which we are doing this, is like pay savings first like a bill, mm-hmm. pay all the bills, and then um, decide on whatever percentage we say every month gets to go into our, our separate checking accounts. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Love it. And do you, because uh, I know you've worked at a, a tech company before. So do you use, because I know you mentioned, uh, you also mentioned a checkbook or writing checks. Do mm-hmm. you, what kind do you use? A spreadsheet, a software, uh, I don't. paper? I honestly, I have it all memorized, which Uh-oh. is really weird. <laughs> I don't have a lot of bills though. Like I have mm-hmm. student loans, I have cell phone and I have rent. Um, okay. The reason that my husband's kept a lot of automated payments is because of what he does for a living. Mm. He has a whole crap ton of charges that come up like Amazon server fees and stuff like that. So gotcha. he has, I think, a spreadsheet of all of that and we haven't merged it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's it's a very simple simple process. I pretty much money comes in when it does, I pay everything out, close my account. I do cash budgeting for the rest. So I don't even have to check anything. Perfect. Perfect. So you do use like maybe the envelope system, a cash envelope system, or just one stash of cash. And that's what you use. One stash, but that's because my life is like right now, very predictable. Yeah. It's we even have a separate pet budget. So when things get crazy with Lucy, you know, we can use a card for that. And we know that money's allocated. So for my yeah. day-to-day spending, there's almost none. I cook all of my meals. You know, I have my snacks made at home. Pretty much I just buy coffee. <laughs> well, coffee is... <laughs> and, and like a Subway pass and that's about it. Right, right. No, perfect. And I love that you mentioned the pet budget. We do that as well, um, having our to. dog yeah. uh, because those vet bills can be expensive. And granted, he's really the only one with, if anything, I mean, is he just has allergies. We're, you know, out of all, all the, you know, the rest of us in the house, he's the one with some sort of health issue and it's really not that bad. Yeah. Uh, it's just allergies, but uh-huh. whether he breaks out or whatever the case may be, that those add up. Or if he is a high energy dog since he's a lab. Oh yeah. Uh, so sometimes I take him to daycare, uh, let him run around because maybe, especially in the winter time where, mm-hmm. yes, I don't, and granted where, where we're at in DC, it's not that cold, but, or as cold, it's still cold. Um, it will be cold. <laughs> cold is cold. Cold will come. <laughs> <laughs> cold is cold. Yeah. But, um, but just those type of things, it's, it's good for him to go to the, to the daycare, but you have to um, and th- that has made such a difference because I can, you know, when I buy the dog food, I know where it's coming from, where I take them to the vet, when I take them to daycare, those type of things, it's all taken care of. So I think it also helps you not freak out too. Like when you right. know that's allocated, because honestly, we, we unfortunately thought we were doing the right thing by going to a breeder. We thought, okay, this means her health will most likely be better, this and that. We can't afford a rescue right now. Mm. Um, We got her from the breeder with two parasites. And since that first week, we have had health issues with her almost constantly. Um, But yeah, like once we finally sat down and we're like, we now understand what this is really going to cost. Put the money aside. And that way, if we need a stool sample or something like that, it's just like, okay, do it. And it's not like, can I afford it? Like whatever, like you don't you don't want to have to make that decision when you're worried about your dogs. So it's like allocating it right away, paying that fund first, 
it just makes life easier. It does. And especially with the automation, it makes things easier. You don't think about it and it's done. Yeah. So that's perfect. And what would you say, uh, we talked about your best, the best money that you've spent. How about the worst purchase? Um, anything I put on a credit card ever. Anything. <laughs> but well, is there one that particular that really stings to this day that you can think of? No, it was always just these little things that you think aren't a big deal at the moment and you swipe your card and you're like, oh yeah. And you think you have some idea of what you owe that month. And then all of a sudden years go by and you're like, what do I have to show for this right. ridiculous balance that I have to pay off now? And it's always <laughs> at a time or less. It's literally my biggest problem is like, I will nickel and dime myself, which is why I've had to go to cash. Some people think cash is easier to spend. I think it's harder to spend because I can clearly see that it's finite. Whereas Mm. with a card, you can just swipe and you think, you know, but like, my goodness, if you have enough of those little purchases, it adds up. Yeah, it really does. So for me, it was never anything big. It was just that constant, like what, where did that go? Right. right. And it could be even something that for example, and we've already talked that a coffee, <laughs> if you put it on a card and those things that, well, the coffee has gone and yeah. I've drank it and look how much I've been paying on it right. for those type of things. The meals out for me. Cause like, I do believe that some things are worth spending on. I had friends who used to tell me like, you're trying to pay off debt, but you'll spend $5 on coffee. That makes no sense. And it's like, you don't see that I pack my lunch. I pack my snacks. I eat right. dinner at home. When I went out to dinner with my friends in my 20s, I would only buy dessert because that was always one quarter of the price. So I would eat dinner and then I'd go out with them and have dessert. So it's like, you know, Very you have smart. to allow yourself some things to look forward to. Absolutely. And I even had a deal with myself to earn my coffee. I had to do a half an hour of writing at the coffee shop every morning. You and are so I did wake up in time then I had to get the dollar coffee from the truck on the way into work. So that was like a little deal I struck myself. But you have to allow yourself some things or you'll never sustain what you're trying to do. Absolutely. It's just like, for me, it's kind of like a diet. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, you know, yes, we know that with to lose weight, you have to, it's a matter of balancing the calories coming in and the calories that you're burning, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? But if you restrict so much... I mean, whether decide, (laughs) I'm I'm sorry, you end up eating a pint of ice cream in one night. Exactly. (laughs) So it's the same with finances. I think, you know, you just, you got to have, find some balance and maybe that finding that balance is going to take you a little while, depending on like what your priority that our priorities are and how your journey is coming along. But I definitely always relate it to, to the, the diet thing, because you, you can say I'm going to cut out sugar for the rest of my life and, and knowing that you well like chocolate and and uh, and Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to happen sometimes. <laughs> so if you find, you know, the, the same with finances, you can't say you're not going to uh, spend X amount of money f- uh, forever. You got to find that balance and um, and treat yourself. It's okay yeah. and not feel guilty about it, especially yeah. if you plan it and budget it in. Mm-hmm. So... That is beautiful. And do you have any money book that you've really enjoyed that I, you would recommend? I don't really read money books. Um, it's I know it's weird because I'm a personal finance writer. <laughs> like I'll read blogs and things, but I've never actually really felt like excited about a money book I've read. Um, I will say, though, that I was at – well, we were both at FanCon 
Uh-huh. And who was that speaker? Uh, the one page financial plan. Let me. Yes. Um, Carl Richards. Yes. I have his book and I'm very much looking forward to reading it. Okay. Um, because I like that he has a very straightforward approach and he makes things com- that seem complex, very logical and simple. So I, I imagine that that will be one that I really like. That is, yeah, that is one with the drawings and everything, just keeping it simple. I really, yeah, I have not read that one, but, um, it is on my list to read for sure. And he was so great. He was amazing. What a great speaker. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I know you listeners, um, I will link a, the link to his website so you can check him out and learn, learn more about him, but he is definitely a phenomenal speaker, um, and I believe writer. I haven't read his book, but it looks really. (laughs) And a regular guy. Yeah. So accomplished, but so humble. Yes. So that's part of why I think I want to read his money advice too, because I don't feel like it's going to come from this place above. True. 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 Very true. Very true. And are there any money quote that Um, that sticks out that you, that you would consider your favorite? I like pay yourself first. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of, you know, if you want to save money, pay to yourself first as soon as you get paid, just like a bill. Right. Otherwise, it won't happen. So That is a good one and is yeah. definitely something great to follow. Well, that was awesome, Shannon. Uh, I know you know this podcast is all about making money simple and taking control of it. So how would you finish this sentence? Her money matters because... Her money matters because it will enable her to live the life she really wants. Perfect. Perfect. I appreciate that, Shannon. Now, where would be the best place uh, for people to find you and learn more about you? Um, right now, I would say Twitter. Okay. Um, perfect. I'm on the fence of starting my own personal finance blog. I have a website where some of my work is linked, which is shannonmcnay.com. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think Twitter right now is the, until I decide, am I ready to dive into my own blog or not? (laughs) That's the best place to find me. Perfect. Well, I'll be sure to link those two in on the show notes and Shannon, thank you so much for joining me and sharing all that, uh, with us today. So I appreciate that. And I know you and I will be talking again soon. Yes. And thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be a guest. Oh no. Thank you for being here. That was so much fun. I always enjoy talking to Shannon, whether it's on the phone or in person or via text. So I hope that you enjoyed our time with her as much as I enjoyed chatting with her. Now, she spoke about a couple of terms that I want to make sure that you know more about just in case. So she talked about revolving loans and unsecured loans. And I'll talk more about that in a bit. But before I do that, I wanted to acknowledge one of the members in my Fearless Money Sisterhood program. Her name is Laura. So Laura has no clue I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to give out her last name just uh, for confidentiality reasons. But Laura, one word that I would definitely use to describe her is driven and driven to the core. She has definitely made a commitment to improve her personal finances. It is 
and is so obvious, her drive, her commitment by her participation in our monthly calls, her questions, her participation in our group. And she not only consumes the content, the materials, that tools that are provided within the membership program, but she takes it a step further and actually implements and put it into action. And I completely love that. So Laura, I wanted to acknowledge you, your hard work, and to tell you to keep it up because you are doing amazing. And I know that those goals and aspirations that you are wanting to achieve with your personal finances are going to come to fruition. Just keep up the hard work, keep up that drive and keep up that action. Now let's talk about those terms, those fancy words. I call it fancy words that Shannon used in our interview. She talked about revolving loans and she talked about unsecure loans. So let's talk, define that just in case uh, you've heard the fancy words, but you don't know what they mean. But and once I tell you what they are, you're like, oh yeah, I knew this. But it's just good to know uh, because at times we go into a bank or maybe we don't go to a bank anymore, but we've, we maybe we're talking to customer service and they've mentioned those fancier uh, words, but we don't know what they are. It's not that we don't know. Once we find out what they are, we understand what they are. So the revolving loans are just basically, if you think about the name involves revolve. So in revolving loans, there's no set specific date to pay it off. You just pay as you go. So those are your credit cards. Those are your lines of credit uh, where they have an interest rate. But yeah, they might have a minimum uh, payment, but the payments go on could go on forever. It's not a five-year loan or 10-year loan or 30 or whatever it is. It just can go on forever. It all depends how you are paying it. So those are revolving loans. Now, she also mentioned unsecured loans. So unsecured loans are also known as signature loans. And these are given out solely on credit worthiness. Okay. So there is, it is a finite term to the loan. And because, and there's also a a definite payment. (laughs) So it's a given, you pay a certain amount every month, and you're going to be paying that amount for X number of years, depending on the terms of your loan. Okay. And it is considered higher risk. uh, So the interest rates tend to be higher, but there is an also another term. Okay. And that term is secured loans. So secured loans are your vehicle loans, your mortgage loans, because these loans need collateral, which makes the risk in the eyes of the bank lower. And the interest rates are lowered, uh, but you have collateral. You They can put a lien. Uh, you put up something that in case you default on the loan, you have to give that. So in the case of a mortgage, if you default, especially for an extended period of time, guess what? You have to give the house back, right? So you, it's some sort of collateral is what, that you put and that's how they give those loans. So I just wanted to make sure that you knew those fancy words, even though I'm sure maybe you've already have a mortgage, you've used a credit card, maybe you've already taken out an unsecured loan, but you forgot or weren't aware of those fancy words. So now you know if you didn't know. So that is a wrap for today. 
And I wanted to thank Shannon for joining us, for being so real as usual and sharing her story. So you can check out um, more about her, where to find her at jenhemphill.com forward slash 35 as in episode 35. And you can also find out more about my Fearless Money Sister Hope program that Laura is a part of by simply going to the show notes or just jenhemphill.com forward slash dollars. So thanks again for joining me today and we'll catch you next Thursday. 